enjoying our own private after office. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome to episode 253 of the internet's only Argentine football podcast. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined this week by Andres. Hello, how are you Sam? I'm very well, how are you? Yes, well, me too. Andres is uh, slightly disappointed at having um, an after-office drink session cancelled this evening, but fortunately... um, he has his own after-office drink session anyway. <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> more or less not the same, of course, but uh, talking about football and, and drinking some Fernet is uh, pretty anyway, so I'm not uh, so sad as I I would have been if it, me neither would uh, have been here in uh, talking about football and that. Indeed. Um, I will get started with the results, which after some trouble with the website that we normally use while recording, I have finally managed to get to load. Uh, first of all, I'm going to swap these earphones around. That's oh, that's a bit better. I can hear better now. Uh, I only have one ear, listeners, um, and I, I have earphones on whilst recording, but uh, I'm having to use my girlfriend's ones this week, and I think one of them's broken or not working slightly, so I was having difficulty hearing myself. But here we go. The league results from last weekend were as follows. On Friday, there were two matches. Those finished Huracan 1, Arsenal de Sarandí 2. Um, I didn't see that one, but Huracan must have been pretty bad even by their standards. Uh, Lanús nil, San Martín de San Juan nil. Lanús, of course, had one eye um, on their Copa Libertadores commitments. Um, They played last night on Tuesday evening. Um, in the Libertadores in Group 7 and the result was the first match from Group 7 that didn't end in an away win um, for any of the teams because all of the first four games did uh, Lanús won 5-0 at home to Zulia of Venezuela oh, but, um, uh, Chapecoense also uh, got a draw against Nacional they did but that was just after Ah. That, that one kicked off uh, an hour afterwards, I think. Okay. Uh, so it was the first result, but um, as you say, it wasn't the only result from last night from that group. Um, Newell's Old Boys on Saturday got a nil-nil draw at home with Estudiantes de la Plata. Pay attention whenever I mention any of the, the top five or six teams um, in this score run-up, by the way. Belgrano and Tacheres drew 1-1 in the Córdoba Clásico, but as we will be hearing... Um, in a few minutes' time. That wasn't the main story from that match, unfortunately. You probably already have heard it, um, particularly if you're if you're active on Twitter. Um, Independiente won Atletico de Rafaela won as the frustrations continued in the red half of Avellaneda. Olimpo lost 1-0 at home to Belles Sarsfield. Racing got a 2-1 win away to Sarmiento. Uh, Godoy Cruz beat Banfield 3-1 at home after going 1-0 down fairly early on. Atletico Tucumán got a 1-0 win against San Lorenzo. Well done them, as their fine start to 2017 continues. 
Boca Juniors were held 1-1 at home to Patronato de la Juventud Católica. A 91st-minute goal from Boca supporter Damian Arce was the Patronato equaliser. Um, Quilmes lost 1-0 at home to Colón. Tigre, in a controversial match, uh, lost 2-0 at home to River, who therefore... Remember, I told you to listen to the results of the um, the teams near the top. River were the only one of of today's top five um, to win their match last weekend. Union uh, also lost two 0 at home. They were playing defensively with Dicia on Sunday night, and then on Monday there was an away win for Rosario Central against Tempele, and a home win. Um, sorry, Rosario Central uh, against Tempele finished two one, and a home win one nil for Gimnasia against Aldo Civi. What did you? I mean, where where do we start with this? <laughs> well, uh, you you called that match uh, the River uh, victory integrity controversial, which is true. Mm. But I was f- I felt uh, somehow released, relieved. Uh, I mean, I, I felt not alright, but uh, the same way that uh, Bayern Munich supporters felt uh, last night, uh, yesterday, the way that Tigre fans might have. Felt because uh, there were some places in which, uh, well, some polemic place. Not I don't see. I, I don't know if polemic, but uh, uh, more uh, yes. I w- I would say controversial. Uh, that for everyone, the re- decisions of the referees were wrong and mm. and, and benefit one team, the stronger team, uh, and of course uh, made the other team to to. Uh, complain and to say it was, uh, uh, of course, unfair. Uh, it, it's a little uh, harder, perhaps, to feel sorry for Bayern Munich than it is to feel sorry for Tigre, where this comes. Of yes, course, I'm sure it's our, not particularly a, our German listeners will agree there. Um, I mean, but, Bayern yeah, Munich it, it is, is, I think, is strong, but not uh, same level as Real Madrid in mm-hmm. terms of strength. And, of course, Tigre is far more weak than in, in comparison of the size of the clubs and the and, and how much strong they are. So what happened was um, that while the game was still nil-nil, Tigre had one goal disallowed. Um, Diego Morales running through and was judged to have pulled back... Um, Moreira. Moreira, I think it was about to say Martinez Cuarta. Um, the referee after the match... Who was the referee? I've forgotten his name. Is it Laverne? Balinha. Thank you, Balinho, um, said the day after the game that he would, if he, he could have taken that decision again, he would have made the same decision. He would still have um, disallowed it. The, the touch wasn't very clear, but he said he's insisting that it, it was there. Um, River took the lead just a couple of minutes after that, if I remember rightly, through Sebastián Driussi. And then shortly after that, uh, Diego Morales had another goal disallowed, this time for offside, which turned out not to be. I mean, he was offside when the ball first got played through to someone else. Well, uh, well which he means didn't he participate. Offside. Yes. And then by the time the final ball went across to Morales, Morales was actually behind the, the line of the ball, which means that he was onside yes. even though he was past the last there was There were two plays in one yeah. at the same time, we, we, we will say. Because, uh, yes, like you said, when the pass, I think it was from Castro, uh, mm. the, uh, the midfielder from Tigre, passed through, I don't remember who was, if, if it was Lima or whom that passed the ball to the centre of the box where it was Morales in that position uh, at that moment he was on side yeah. like you said and yes it was a confusion I think from the line we will say confusion of 
course, won't say that he did it on purpose. Uh, that he I perhaps got confused because of the first part of the play he was on offside, and yeah. then when the ball came to his position, he was not. It was sort of compounded as well by the fact that um, I can't remember what the uh, the, the controversy over Driussi's opener was now, but there was some dis- uh, decision that, that went River's way regarding that one as well, wasn't there? Was it offside? Or was oh. there a foul in the build-up or something? I, I, I don't completely s- forgotten. Uh, Rodrigo Mora at least ensured that River did um, have one thing go their way that should have gone their way, uh, with a stonking finish to make it 2-0 from the edge of the box. Um, but Although River played well, and although I think on the balance of play um, possibly deserved the points, it was a bit sort of disappointing, uh, given you know how how frequently officials are seen or or claimed to have had such a huge influence on games um, in this league. Uh, to see one that that you know it should have been one nil to Tigre, and then a few minutes after that it should have been one one. Uh, or maybe even should have been 2 0 to Tigre if you say that both the goals would have counted and Driosi shouldn't have done. Um, and River end up winning 2 0. It's, you know, even as a River sympathiser, it doesn't look great. <laughs> Regarding the, the, the play, the, 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 the game itself, uh, I think River had a stroke, strike of luck with the uh, first, goal, first goal because it was uh, an assist by Galmarini, the defender from Tigre, who tried to oh, pass of the ball. you're right. Sorry, yeah, there was nothing wrong with it. It was just, uh, I yes, remember uh, thinking, right, that's, that's yes. more bad luck for Tigre. That sorry, was what I, I was trying yes. to... Yeah, I've completely forgotten how the goal went. Carry on, sorry. No, yes, it was a, a, a bad back pass from from Galmarini who tried to pass the ball with his head to, to the, the goalkeeper, to Ibanez, and it was short, uh, perfect for Lucy to... Uh, it was with the open goal, only with Ibanez uh, defending the, the goal and, and uh, well, make, made it uh, 1-0 and... Uh, after that, yes, it was Tigre. I think that uh, they, they like Saba uh, wants uh, play. They play high on their on the rival side, pressing very high. Mm. Uh, but the, that goal made them uh, be less aggressive, of course, uh, because it was like kill them uh, their their attitude. Indeed. Uh, but in terms of the of the of the decisions of the referee, it was good from Morales, the Diego Morales, the, the man that was. First, uh, got uh, the, the, that foul that it, it wasn't, or or it was a slight uh, uh, like a push to, yeah. to Moreira that uh, Moreira fell like it like uh, if he were had been uh, uh, of course uh, knocked very very hardly hardly, um, and Morales after the match said well uh, last match we were favored and now we were not uh, so philosophical about it. Um, because against Lorenzo, they were they were some place that of course yeah the, the penalty for the equaliser yes. and then the the winner which was offside so maybe these things do even out yes. in one way or another and in fact if if those if those games had both been draws Tigre would have had two points from those games and as it was they got three so generous really <laughs> don't know what they're complaining about ha 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 the real controversy of the weekend of course was perhaps not um, the refereeing at Tigre River or indeed anywhere else. But arguably, um, the fact that so many of the matches actually went ahead after what had happened on Saturday um, in Cordoba, where at half-time of the Clásico between Belgrano and Tacheres, at which point the game was still nil-nil, um, a fight broke out in the stand behind the Belgrano, well, behind the goal. Uh, there were no Tacheres fans present um, at the game. Um, 
and Emmanuel Balbo, who was a Belgrano fan who had gone along to the game, um, ended up, well, he's dead now. Uh, he, he died on Monday afternoon from head wounds uh, sustained after he was basically thrown over uh, the, the, uh, the vomitorium is the old-fashioned English word, but the mouth um, of the, uh, the sort of entrance to the stand. Uh, what happened, I'll give you a quick bit of background before I go into this pre-recorded section, but what, what basically turned out to have happened was he'd gone along to the game. Um, he had seen a guy who killed his brother in a hit-and-run accident a few years previously, got into an argument with this guy, and this other guy had, had started shouting, you know, as a way of sort of bringing the other fans on side and, and getting out of the fight, uh, started shouting that Balbo was, was a Tacheres fan, um, at which point he promptly got attacked by several people and then pushed over the, uh, the edge of the stand whilst trying to escape. Um, I spoke earlier to Luke Smith, um, who's an Englishman living in Cordoba, um, and who was at the game. He, he was in the, the platea rather than the popular, so he wasn't right near the action, but he did see what happened. Um, and in this brief eight or nine minute section that you're about to hear, um, he, he can take us over what, uh, what he saw and what the reaction in Cordoba has been since. Luke Smith, thanks for talking to us. No problem. How's it going? Not bad. Um, so you're you actually emailed me a, a few months ago, didn't you? Before you came over, you're um, studying in Cordoba, is that right, or working now? Uh, I'm working in there with a, a, a smart odds from from London, watching football, Argentine football, basically. Uh huh. Excellent. I'm more so a associate at Belgrano, so I go to pretty much every home game. Ah, on, okay. on the weekend. And, and this is how you got into the classical, uh, yeah. which which can't have been too easy to get tickets for as a as a foreigner who wasn't who wouldn't have been a member. So yeah, I was going to ask that. Um, obviously, we'll we'll talk about the the match itself in in a few minutes since we've got you here. But um, the main talking point, I think, not just from this game but from the weekend, um, was the attack and and since on on Monday the the death of Emmanuel Balbo. Um, it was a Belgrano fan, not a Tacheres fan, in spite of what yeah, was initially yeah. reported. Um, shocking, really. What, uh, from, from where you were in the stands, what, what could you see? Was it sort of apparent, the seriousness of what was going on? Not really, because the first half had kind of passed without incident. Obviously, the atmosphere was a bit more charged with it being a, a derby match, but you didn't, you didn't feel any violence coming or brewing, if, if you get what I mean, but... At half time, it just seemed to ignite suddenly. Hmm. There was like commotion at the top of the popular behind the goal, and it looked to be like a, I don't know, a 50 on 50 man fight, but we now know it's one guy against all of those that were that were involved. Yeah. Everyone in the plateau was just shouting and pointing at the popular, and suddenly there was a rush from the top of the stand all down to the bottom of everyone chasing one one bloke who we now know is Emmanuel mm-hmm. and 
you just saw him career over the barrier and flattened on the on the on the ground. So you you, you could actually see it from where you were. You, you saw the fall. I, I saw the fall, but you couldn't see the aftermath because of the crowd. But I seen him go over the barrier at yeah. great speed, and you instantly knew that it wasn't going to be good. God, that that I mean, as someone who doesn't have much of um let's say much motivation to basically watch somebody being murdered I've not actually even watched the videos so actually seeing it happen right yeah, in front it was, of you must be it was quite a sight not a nice one yeah and I mean, how did uh, things sort of go on during the second half because we heard afterwards from members of coaching staff and from some of the players that uh, that they'd heard about what had happened and, and the match carried on anyway um did you guys in, in the stands over, because obviously you were in a separate section of the stadium, but did did some version of what had happened start to filter through to where you were as well? Yeah, we'd been, there was, there was a couple of rumours going around. There was one that it was a Teixeira's fan, which would, which would make more sense because that area of the stadium is the one that their fans would normally occupy. So uh-huh. it wouldn't be so strange to see a Teixeira's fan in there and sadly get said treatment. Mm-hmm. And there was another rumor that it was a Belgrano fan that had been robbing people in the stand. But everything calmed down in the second half because about five minutes into the game on the radio commentary, they'd said that there was no real injury sustained in the fall and that fan was okay. So everyone's oh, well. attention immediately switched back to the game, really. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we now know that that was huge misinformation, claiming that nobody had been seriously hurt. Yeah, I mean, they said he'd been sent to hospital, but with minor minor head injuries, so attention switched immediately back to the second half and the, the massive match at stake, obviously. Yeah. We didn't know we'd witnessed such a, a terrible, terrible event. Hmm. Um, and how, how has the reaction been? Obviously, uh, Andres and I, who, who are going to be recording a little later, and, and this uh, small section will be um, edited into the middle of the podcast um we'll sort of talk a bit about about this ourselves but we we've got the buenos aires press and i guess what well the national press really and, and the um yeah, the continental yeah. tv networks and stuff to um to go off in terms of the reaction but how has the the reaction been actually from the media and from the fans in cordoba to this the media themselves are kind of concentrating on the history because the the man that allegedly ignited all of this has a history with Emmanuel. Yeah, allegedly killed Emmanuel's brother in a hit and run incident four years ago. Mm-hmm. So we've been getting a lot of interviews from people that know the, the, the group of people that are from Emmanuel's neighborhood, stating what's happened in the past and how it's eventually come to a second member of Emmanuel's family being murdered by the same man. Who's still free as well, and who's, uh, who's still free? And yeah. so this is as we often end up at some point on Hand of Pod talking about things that aren't strictly football, but are more uh, law and justice related. Depressingly, and, and it's another case where we have um, uh, a, 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 a criminal um, situation which which hasn't been dealt with properly by the courts. I guess you could say, um, and that's that's why he's dead now. Um, Definitely. Has there been any sort of hint that, that Emmanuel was, was part of a barra or anything? 
Um, no, no. Uh, Emmanuel supposedly normally goes to the the platees, the karma stands on uh -huh. the side of the pitch, but for this match he couldn't he couldn't get a ticket there for whatever reason, and he's come across this old enemy, so to speak, mm. as he's gone in the stand, who allegedly had started insulting him prior to the game, and has come to kind of search for him at half time to start all of this. Well. And, and did so effectively by calling in a gang by shouting out that Emmanuel was a Tachiris fan and yeah um, it's difficult to know what more to say isn't it um, it's obviously a secondary concern but, but how, how was the game and, and did you think that the second half particularly was, was affected by what had happened after, uh, prior to that I wouldn't say so because everyone genuinely, genuinely thought that that Emmanuel was fine because of the information being being fed by all of the local radio stations. The, mm -hmm. the, the, the concern after that, rightly or wrongly, was the match because although we'd seen something something bad, it's not something that Argentines aren't accustomed to seeing. And yeah. Given that, that that he was supposedly fine, people were just focusing on the game once again. Mm -hmm. And as for the player, I don't, I don't think the players were affected great, greatly by the incident, no. Yeah, that, that was one thing that I was a little unclear of, because as I say, they all said afterwards, oh, you know, we, we heard that something had happened, but I was slightly unclear on, on what exactly they'd heard as well. Um, in terms of the football, a good result for Belgrano, I think we have to say, no? Because Tacheres were in, in better form than the hosts going into the game. Yeah. Obviously, in a in a derby match, you, you'd like to you'd like to get the win. But given the form of the two teams coming into the game, you'd have to, like you say, you'd have to agree that a point's not a bad result. And we give them a very very good game before. Mm. And has there been much um, sort of much talk in, in the local press there about the the sanctions that that might Belgrano might have to to deal with? That there's been some sort of La Nacion here have been suggesting that. Uh, de-affiliation might even come into it if, yeah. if the AFA decide to uh, to really clamp down on it. We've seen a, we've seen a range of rumours regarding what, what could possibly be imposed, but we're not, we're not sure yet. But allegedly the the sanction is going to be heavily influenced by the, the President's relation with, with AFA, mm. which, if you are to believe, is, is not the best following his exit last month. Yeah, and for this reason, they're going to make an example out of Belgrano. That's what the press seem to think here. Indeed, um, Luke. Thanks for for talking to us for now. We'll hopefully have a chance to talk to you again in uh, slightly happier circumstances. Um, if you yeah, ever make it to Buenos thing. Aires, especially, then then you're very welcome to come on for a, a full episode. Um, and well, for now, uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. See you later. Thank you very much, uh, first of all, to, to Luke for, for talking to us about that. Um, one of the things that, that remains for us to talk a little bit about here, Andres, 
Um, Andres is not hurt. Uh, what uh, th- th- that bit that you listeners have just heard, by the way, um, just in case we end up repeating ourselves, um, was that uh, towards the end of, of that interview we, we mentioned the, the, some of the sanctions that are being talked about. Um, it's a very up in the air situation at the moment. The the official line from the AFA is that they're going to be making an announcement on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week uh, regarding what might happen to Belgrano. Um, also tonight, in fact, Tacheres have a game in the Estadio Mario Kempes um, shortly after we, end, we finish recording. I hope we'll have finished recording anyway by the time it kicks off. Um, they host Independiente in the round 15 game, that, that first match of the year that got postponed due to the state of the pitch. Um, and for that game, Belgrano's players are going to run out alongside Tacheres players in a show of solidarity, um, which is touching, if not slightly late, and obviously it's not going to bring Balbo back. Um, but Belgrano as a club uh, could be in some trouble for this. Yes, the decision is, uh, that is being talked about is from uh, a fine, that it means money, to what, was ha- what has been uh, told uh, unofficially, and I think that it won't happen, is to retire Belgrano from AFA to, to uh, unaffiliate them. Mm. But uh, that will be a hard sanction for the club, which, of course, we always talk about the same, about if the, if the board members have to do with this, if they are responsible for this, or whatever, uh, and the feeling is that these things will continue to happen wherever uh, the sanction will be, um, and like many other things that happen in a, in a football stadium because the, the people that uh, are involved in this, uh, well, uh, killings and, 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 and the death of, of, a, of a supporter, uh, they feel that they won't be sanctioned, yes, uh, of course. Um, but in this case, like many others, uh, what I was going to say is that <clears throat> things that happen outside the, the, the stadium that have nothing to do with football itself, then finally uh, have a, 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 an end in the, in the stadium. Because, uh, like you said, it was a driving, like we say here, a picada, where uh, like a race in the streets with the like if they like if they were in a, in a in a oh uh, is that what it was I thought yeah. it was a sort of stick up kind of thing. I I what I heard is that they they argued after a, like a, a driving with their cars and something like that uh-huh. that's when uh, the brother of Emmanuel uh, was killed by, by this guy for well, as far as I'm concerned it was like that and after that well uh, Emmanuel uh, I think that you talk with uh, this man. Uh, this this Luke, yes, uh, that he recognized, he identified this man, like he yeah. killed his brother, and after that, what happened? But but the sanction, re- resuming what what the, you asked me about the sanction is the yes they they are uh, talking about hard uh, hard a uh, fine with uh, has to do with money or well uh, uh, and 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 the points uh, quit. To Belgrano, but uh, I think that has more to do with Tapia trying to to appear like he's firm, like he's uh, now he there won't be any more uh, soft hands after yeah. has things like this. But uh, I have my my doubts. Indeed, yeah, it's um, depressing as as I sort of mentioned uh, briefly as well in 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 the chat with Luke. Um, 
it's depressing that, that we often end up talking about non-footballing matters here and, and that you know essentially what we're saying is that the new new look AFA playing politics with this um, they're trying to make clear that they are a new AFA by talking about forcible relegation or taking points away or a big uh, fine for Belgrano or maybe as you mentioned even de-affiliation um, and it shouldn't be a, a political game this but it turns into one anyway the other thing though is I think I don't think that they're actually going to do that much because I have a feeling that if you know if, if they were to de-affiliate particularly or if they were to forcibly relegate them then really the AFA then are, are making a rod for their own backs and the next time that a fan dies in one of the big five stadiums say particularly uh, in River or Boca um, and unfortunately you can say the next time because it's going to happen at some point in the next sort of well, you think, five to ten years well, you I'm sure think... that someone will and, and there'll be, you know, you would think logic would oblige them, therefore, to forcibly relegate River or forcibly relegate Boca. But what you normally think, which is not, uh, I think this doesn't apply to Argentine football because it's not logical. But mm. what you think, you come to think when you you hear or, or supporters hear that there will be hard sanctions for clubs or teams that uh, provoke provoke things like this, is oh, okay, we will. Uh, we have we will have better behavior because if we uh, provoke some or generate riots or, or, or throw things to the state to the pitch or or kill someone we will be will can be deaffiliated we will have to to hold on but uh, things history tells that things have have been happening and nothing uh, sanctions were very very soft no absolutely and particularly you know another in Julio Grondona's uh, era in charge there was always this attitude that the points the match had to be won out on the pitch and therefore oh, we're not going to give you a, a points deduction or um, uh, or anything of that sort of type uh, if a fan dies in the stands because that's a, a safety issue it's a political thing it's not a footballing thing so the football isn't affected by it it's clearly you know reached a point it reached a point years ago in Argentina um, where that's not a satisfactory response and so it's going to be interesting because of that I hate to use the word interesting in this context but here we are um, to see what the AFA do decides next week um, presumably we'll be talking about it next week on next week's episode if they've announced it in time to end with this uh, what gives, gives you more rage to uh, well, we, have, we have to uh, of course unfortunately talk about this is that they, when he was dying, when Emmanuel Balbo, Emmanuel was the name, mm-hmm. Balbo was dying, uh, he had his sneakers stolen. Mm. Uh, that is even more morbid, and it's, of course, something that you can't accept. No, absolutely. And of course, it has nothing to do with football. Some, of, some of the reactions uh, in Cordoba have been quite touching. Uh, they've been as I, as I mentioned Belgrano are going to be running out with Tacheres for a match that Belgrano themselves aren't even involved in tonight um, we've also had uh, sort of being shared on social media players and fans of both clubs including uh, down here the Argentine ambassador to Ecuador who some of you will remember uh, from his previous appearance when um, he helped was it Huracan um, oh no it was Atletico Tucumán of yeah. course in their, their Libertadores qualifier at the start of the year uh, you get to the game in time he's a Tacheres fan um, Dasheris fans and players making an eye patch with, with a hand um, over one of their eyes to uh, in solidarity with Belgrano, who are known as the Pirates, um, and Belgrano players forming a T with their hands, which is obviously Dasheris' nickname, um, to make clear that they're you know they're together 
Um, it would be heartening to think that perhaps this is the start of, of rivalries becoming a little more friendly in Argentina. I kind of doubt that it's going to happen. There have been a lot of actions like this in social media with independent and racing players saying we are rivals, not enemies, uh, to try to stop violence and, and mm. then you find this. So uh, it's like you always remember things trying to change, but well, we ho of course I hope this have any, any solution. Yeah. Um, moving on, anyway, and onto the football again. Uh, the game itself, we, we talked about it very briefly with Luke. Uh, it wasn't much to write home about. Um, let's go through the rest of the big five. Independiente, uh, once more, frustrated. So they won 5-0 away to Patronato uh, the previous weekend, but then held 1-1 at home to Atletico de Rafaela. It wasn't great. Isn't Rafaela too not so awful? Or well, Independiente have this problem playing at the uh, Libertadores de America. We have already talked with Peter last last week. Yeah, uh, that they can't uh, score apart from Patronato game against uh, last week, which they won five 0 They can't score. They are they have the opportunities and they can't score even with. Uh, When when Emmanuel Higliotti scored his for first time with the the band the T-shirt, mm. but they they have this problem that they aren't accurate, accurate enough uh, playing home. The other thing was though that it, they they didn't even play that well um, on Saturday. I didn't think they they were certainly not as as impressive. They weren't bad, but they weren't as impressive in in the sort of approach players they have been under Orlando. So I think that to an extent you can write it off maybe as a blip. Um, as something that, that, that's going to get corrected um, in in future games, but they've got to be disappointed with you know how the um, how things ended up going. Atletico's last few results have been uh, prior to this draw. They drew with Oracan the previous week. They lost to Newell's. They drew with Estudiantes. They beat Arsenal, um, and they got a one 0 win over. Uh, oh no, they sorry they they lost one 0 to Aldo Civi. So in fact, the last few games. Since beating Arsenal, they've had so that was one win, um, one win, one defeat, and three draws, including draws against Estudiantes and now Independiente. So yeah, maybe you're right. They they could be picking up a little bit um, form-wise, but from Independiente's point of view, more frustration. Yes. Um, I do think that that five nil the previous week is, is going to have bought on a little bit of time though so it, you know uh, by and large it's, it's still an upward tra trajectory for Independiente um, one would think but we shall see um, later on on Saturday Racing ensured that their fans will be the happier half of uh, the population of Avellaneda by getting a 2-1 away win against Sarmiento both goals coming from Lautaro Martinez uh, Marcos Astina got a late consolation for Sarmiento I thought that by that point, to be honest, Racing could have been more than two up. They were yes, slick. Uh, the way they are playing is like uh, you. You are like strange uh, to watch them. They are sixth, sixth uh, right now. Yeah. While they have to play, uh, that's another match that I think is going to be played in uh, in a minute against Godoy Cruz. The remain, remaining of the match that was uh, suspended because of the, of the rain. That's right. Yeah, they're actually eighth. I thought they were sixth as well. Oh. Right. Himnasi uh, and Colón took the opportunity to. To, to leapfrog them but obviously as you say Racing have got that game in hand so if they win uh, this evening against Tigre which is by no means a given but if uh, it Tigre happens, not Godoy Cruz 
Yes. If it happens, then Racing, by the time this goes online, will be will be sixth on goal difference out of Cologne. Yeah. Um, again, yeah, they look sharp. Lautaro Martinez, particularly, um, it looks very good. Uh, yeah, there will be twenty-ish. Yes, under twenty because okay. uh, at least he ha- he must be nineteen because he's under and then under twenty national team. Of course, yes, yeah. Uh, but there will be a problem, of course, not a bad one, but a good one, when Licha Lopez, Lucia, Lisandro Lopez comes back. And when he got, got injured, there was some worry uh, at the fans because he was the captain and, and experienced man. And now uh, with Lautaro Martinez at scoring the number of goals, he's scoring, his, uh, they are not missing him that much. Yeah. Uh, San Lorenzo were slightly disappointing, I think. Um, although I wasn't paying full attention, uh, I, I must admit, on Sunday afternoon, um, in losing 1 0 against Atletico Tucumán. But that, of course, is a match between you know, two of the Argentine clubs who are involved in this year's Libertadores. Um, so while historically speaking, San Lorenzo might well expect to beat a club the size of Atletico Tucumán, today, in the here and now, uh, that's not necessarily a defeat to be ashamed of. But certainly the form, I think, has dropped off just a little bit, hasn't it? Yes, I'm trying to find. I'm having to use a different website to uh, find the players, the, the the team records recently because um, for some reason the team pages on the one we normally use aren't loading properly. Um, but yeah, San Lorenzo have been sort of up and down lately. Lost to Godoy Cruz, beat Quilmes, then lost to Tigre in that controversial game that we mentioned um, a little earlier. Uh, then beat Sarmiento and have now lost to Atlético Tucumán. So I mean, what they're really doing is they're losing each week away. And then following it up with a win at home uh, the following weekend. Uh, that's just in the Primera, of course. We're not counting their, their Copa Libertadores um, exploits. Where, oh, as I mentioned last week, because they, they played after we recorded last week, didn't they? Didn't we? They. Uh, and they yeah, 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 got yes. they were held, weren't they? 1-1? One, one? Yes, 1-1 against you. Católica. So, started winning with the Blandi goal, and then Guananate, our former River mm. midfielder, scored the equalizer. Yeah, but I think the... There is something more important for San Lorenzo, not in the in the match itself that happened after the match, uh, but I think we will talk about it later. That has to do with the Go on. with the vice president with Barcelona. Oh, of course, yeah, you're, I completely forgot about it. This is, this is why you have to uh, spell it out for me. Sometimes, but it's something to talk. I think later uh, when we uh, we haven't already talked, we have already talked with about the matches. But yes, yes exactly, uh, yeah. Um, elsewhere, Boca, we mentioned, were held 1-1 thanks to that late equaliser for Patronato from Damian Arce. Uh, the game itself was another one in which Boca, for a very, very long time, looked as if they were going to you know, do what we have... I, I don't know whether praised would be quite the right, the right word to use, but what we've sort of said that they've been doing um, frequently this season, which is not looking particularly impressive, but grinding out the result... Um, it was a match to, to sleep as news. Uh, it was nothing yeah, it, happening. It wasn't a thriller. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to bring up the statistics from it now. I mean, Boca really dominated, of course. Were dominant. Ball. Twenty shots against five, and two thirds of the possession. Um, and yet, as I say, without sort of looking like they were playing liquid football throughout, as it no, were. Knowing already knowing that Patronato having lost. Uh, 5-0 against Independiente in Parna 
that they, they will go and defend at, at, at the Bomonera. Mm. It was, of, of course, like that. And Boca to be prepared to, to, to try to beat that hard defense. But as a counterpart, I think that knowing that uh, the, the, with the injury of, of, of Centurion, which was key, uh, it has a tier now, how would you say it, a hinse? A hinse is a, a sprain, isn't it? Well, yeah. That, uh, and he will be for one month or two out. I think that is complicated for them because it's the only player right now that is capable of dribbling and, and something of doing something really different. Yeah. Uh, Nazareno Solis uh, was the man sort of charged with replacing Centurion um, on the left wing of, of Boca's 4-3-3. And I thought he did he did okay, but he, he was, you know, a noticeable step down from Centurion, who, as you say, is, um, is Argentina... Uh, sorry, Argentina, is Boca Juniors' uh, probably best attacking player at the moment. And the reason that I almost said Argentina's there is because reportedly... Um, depending on who you listen to, uh, he um, is a player who Jorge Sampaoli likes. Um, if Sampaoli gets the uh, the Argentina job, then Centurion might actually get called up, which would have seemed like a remarkable thing to say a year ago. The problem for him is if that to keep this level, because if he keeps it keeps it up, of course it's a, a, a player to look for national team. The problem is that he has some mental... It's like he goes away some, sometimes, yeah. uh, to put it uh, in a smart way. Indeed. Um, the two both goals um, in Boca Patronato came right at the very end of, of two different halves. Um, the Boca's opener from Dario Benedetto came in first half stoppage time. And then, as I said already, Damian Abse's equaliser came right on the stroke of 90 minutes um, to, to give Patronato the point. From Patronato's point of view, similarly, it, it wasn't great. You, you wouldn't really say that that they won it by, or they got the point um, by playing an intelligent, you know, uh, proper sort of classic away performance against a big side in, in the way, say, that Tacheres did a couple of weeks previously when they visited La Bomonera and, and got the win. Even Defensa Justicia, who took the ball from Boca, yeah. couldn't uh, finally score, but... Uh, uh, had the ball uh, again uh, away from Boca. Indeed, uh, Patronato didn't really do that, but they did uh, defend about as well as they needed to most of the time. They got lucky with Boca's finishing, um, and obviously after that five-nil thumping by Independiente in the previous weekend in their own stadium, um, it's a result that that will give them a huge confidence boost. Um, there so, weren't so yeah. many chances. I think twenty shots. You said uh, yeah. from Boca. But I, don't I can't remember. I'm not sure where they were from. I don't think there were clear options because uh, I remember and something that Boca supporters were angry with that play by Pavon, Christian Pavon, mm. uh, dribbling everywhere, every Patronato player like they, they were cones, and when he had to define the to, to, to score, uh, he did it to the to the keeper. He shoot the ball where the keeper were, the goalkeeper were, and and it finished in a corner kick. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at uh, the chalkboard now on, on who scored, which is where we're getting these statistics from today. Um, and basically it's like 11 shots from outside the box, or two of them are from just inside the box. So it's only nine from, I guess, where you'd call a more or less clear-cut chance. And one of those bocker shots is from practically the halfway line. I, I missed that one. I must have drifted off or been concentrating on something else when it was taken. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, having said that, it's not as if Patronato's five are in much better positions, really. Um, that was that the, was that clear that very very clear option I, that I said uh, by Pavon uh, that uh, I think supporters and even his teammates were not looking good at him when he did it. He was he was the same way that Pity Martinez was at River San Francisco, so mm. selfish, trying to elaborate his himself the play and then finish it also himself. Um, and after that, it was a problem with the, with Fabra who didn't come, came back. He didn't come back to the to defend at the play just when Padrato scored the equalizer. Yeah. Uh, so I, I worry hard is Fabra, someone who was very very good with uh, attacking but not defending, that he will uh, uh, go out from the team and, and and Silva will be there in the left back. That's an interesting one. Given Because Atletico Rafaela is a very is a shorter. Yeah, that's pitch true. or well, yeah. a, a, a smaller pitch and and, and he wants a more defending. It, it'll be interesting to see how it works, given that you know, particularly as we said last week, how much Boca liked to attack with those two fullbacks, uh, yes. Peruzzi and, and Fabra, um, and and sort of don't don't worry themselves. Normally, obviously, we're talking right after a game in which they've had sixty six percent possession, and and Wilmer Barrios in central midfield was probably the best player on the pitch. But generally speaking, Boca don't concern themselves as much with dominating in the middle. They look down the flank, so it'll be interesting to see how Silva does, um, given that the attacking strength from Boca really is, is coming from those those onrushing fullbacks. Um, what else was I about to say? Oh, um, Rodrigo Bentancur. We've heard more noises in the last week, week and a half, um, about potential interest from Italian clubs. I think Juventus have been mentioned. And... I'm not really sure where it's coming from because his level's fallen off enormously. But he has year, already he? went to Italy to make his medical. Oh, is he? Oh, yes. that's why we've heard all those noises. Yeah. That I've not paying any attention. Uh, uh, apparently, he will play for Juventus from next season. Well, as I suspect, I don't think he Since will be playing season. for them most of the time. I think he'll be on the bench or playing for the reserves, uh, unless he gets there and, and proves to be. Um, quite a lot better than he is for Boca at the moment because he played against Patronato as he has been doing in most of their games but he's not been looking too impressive um, I think he he's, he impresses more for his passing abilities and his technique than his what he does uh, for the match or for the team in, in terms of the import, importance uh, of the important things he does it's like for example Gago in terms of the technique he has and Uh, but nothing important for the team. It's like never he's never man of the match. He's never uh, well scoring is he's not at the position of scoring perhaps, yeah. but he is like that. He's not not doesn't do important things. Um, elsewhere, as I said earlier, Godoy Cruz came from behind to get a three-one win over Banfield, um, which was a very decent result indeed for them. Um, I'm just trying to bring up Godoy Cruz's previous record because they were quite up and down I think I can't remember did they play Olimpo the previous weekend would that be right uh, I th uh, of course they, play, they lost against River the other uh, week the bef week before and they lost they lost against Racing they lost against Colón ah. as well That's so Godoy Cruz prior to that game had lost three in a row uh, Colón, Racing and River yeah the away to Racing uh, home to River and then away to Colón Uh, so to get back to winning ways, um, particularly against a Banfield side who, after losing the Clásico against Lanús a few weeks ago, had, had been looking much sharper 
um, it's it's a good result for them, uh, and it takes them up to. And they had an important win for Copa Libertadores also against Libertad in Paraguay. Oh, they did. Yeah, that was on Thursday, wasn't it? Yes, it was last after week. we recorded. Um, how, did you manage to catch much of that one? Not, not, not that uh, much. Not did I, so we can't really comment on that one. Sorry, listeners. Um, it takes them in the league up to uh, the, the towering heights of 16th. Um, they have still only drawn two matches all week all season um, in the league. They've got eight wins and ten defeats and um, a negative goal difference. So it's been a less impressive campaign than the transitional championship of last year was, which obviously is why they're in the Libertadores. Um, but there are some shoots of recovery occasionally showing, um, and they are at least capable of, of getting those results against teams on a sort of similar level size-wise to them, if that doesn't sound too patronising to say it probably does. So I apologise to God I cruise fast. Um, elsewhere, other results, a, a decent, um, another decent result for defence was DC and a way win over Union, which is not an easy thing to manage at all. Um, that that 2-0 uh, victory on Monday, was it? No, it was on Sunday. Sorry, Sunday night, of course it was. It was the last game on Sunday night. Um, means that Defensa y Justicia, I'm just trying to bring them up now, uh, have... Yeah, it's their first win since the that narrow defeat which you mentioned away to Boca um, a couple of weeks previously because they'd only managed to draw against Olimpo the previous um, week. Um, and I think it's their first... It might be the first win of... Um, since 2017, right? Now. Okay. Yes. Because they lost two 0 to Huracan, and then they, they postponed the game against Independiente. Um, so this would have been this was round 20, 19, 18, 17, 16. I know we need to get the previous uh, round result up. Bear with me, listeners. We'll get right back to you in a second. Uh, 27. These are friendlies. Friendly, friendly. Oh no, they beat Newells. Of course, they did on the first weekend of the um, half season when the season finally got back underway. So it's their first win since then. Um, and it's... So it's first win with Bekasese on the bench, because it has... Oh, you're quite right, yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so Sebastián Bekasese, or Bekasese, or however the hell you pronounce it. Italian sound, the uh, way of pronunciation, yeah. of, of, will be Bekasese, perhaps, or Bekasese. We're never quite sure how to do this with uh, Italian surnames in Argentina, because often they, they'll be an Italian pronunciation and they decide to just go with the, the Spanish one anyway um, but that result uh, means that Defensa are I'm not going to tell you where they are in the league for the moment but more importantly in the relegation table they're up to 20th now um, and therefore are probably we do this every week trying to say who's probably just about safe but a few bad results will send them back down um, but for the moment you would think that they're going to be sort of more or less clear. It puts them a point ahead of Belles, who are the next team down to have played the same number of matches. Um, probably more importantly, 10 points clear of Arsenal um, and of Quilmes. And both of those teams are just above the relegation zone. Um, and it also means that they are 12, is that? Yeah, 12 points clear of Olimpo, who are the top team in the relegation zone and who have also played the same number of games um, as Defensive Justicia. So 12 points to make up in the last uh, 10 rounds. Given Olimpo's form, at the moment you would sort of have to think that the defence are probably going to be safe now. Um, but a lot can change when you're dividing points by a number of matches played as opposed to just trying to rally up and uh, tally up an actual points total. Um, 
the two Monday games I didn't catch at all, so I can't say anything about so, those. I mean, uh, because I, I am the one playing football that day. Yeah. Uh, so two, so I, I can't be at two places at the same time. And I was uh, hosting the best pub quiz. pub quiz in all of Buenos Aires, which you should you're welcome to come along to. Um, if you're ever in Buenos Aires with nothing to do on the second Monday of the month, although this week it was the third Monday of the month, of course, because um, it passed over last week. Um, other than that, I don't think there are any results that are really springing out at me. So we're going to take um, actually Orcan Arsenal does in there. It's an Arsenal win, but I didn't. Catch well, it's it, it really show, for me. It's surprising even with Orcan being being awful mm. um, because they, I think the, the the first goal of of Arsenal was scored by Bar- Barnetta. Is the sorry? Um, he he's good, yeah, but Brunetta. Brunetta, sorry, not Barnetta. Barnetta is the Swiss Swiss player. Yes, yeah. And, uh, Brunetta, well, he's good, but of course, being at Arsenal uh, is not the uh, that you can show all your, all of your potential hmm. because you are in a team that is not playing well generally. But yes, in this case, he played very uh, he very well and scored a nice goal. Yeah, um, it means that Huracan are four games without a win now. That win that we just mentioned against Defensa Justicia. Uh, or rather the defence it was a defeat that I mentioned a minute ago um, against Oregon that was the last game that they won that was on the oh, it was exactly a month ago well a month and a day ago it was the 18th of March since when they've had a draw against uh, Vélez a draw against Patronato and a draw against Atlético de Rafaela so they've drawn with three of the worst teams in the league and then lost to possibly the worst of the lot in fact having said that yeah uh, that win of course means that Arsenal who I've been saying for the last few weeks are the only team still on single figures for their points. Yeah, look at that. They're up to 11 now. Arsenal have broken the 10-point barrier. It's only taken them 20 games to do so. So, well done, Arsenal fans. And they've also claimed their second um, victory of the league season. I remembered that while I was talking. Um, it means that Arsenal, meanwhile, form-wise, are... God, it must be their first win in 15 matches or something, wasn't it? Um... It's certainly, yeah, I mean, they've lost one, two, three, four... They've lost at least their previous five matches in a row um, without even drawing any, so, yeah. Is well, this the start of the Great Escape Act, led by uh, Grandona? We shall see. But probably not. Hopefully not. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Uh, no offence, Santi, if you're listening to this. I won't say to any other Arsenal fans, because there won't be any. Um, we're going to take a break now. Um, when we come back, we will discuss, as Andres uh, already hinted, the um, news regarding San Lorenzo's vice president, who is no longer San Lorenzo's vice president, and a few other bits and pieces um, will get tidied up, and yeah, whatever else comes to mind, along with a few listeners' questions, so don't go away. mentioned um, that during recording uh, if you listen to last week's episode you'll be aware that the situation regarding the AFA's uh, visit to Spain and whether they were going to talk to Jorge Sampaoli and Lionel Messi or just to Lionel Messi uh, and who exactly was going to be on that um, aeroplane going up there 
uh, kept changing while we recorded, and you'll remember that towards the end of, of recording, um, we uh, heard the announcement that Marcelo Tinelli was not going to be travelling. Marcelo Tinelli, of course, uh, being the um, uh, Secretary of National Teams uh, at the AFA, um, and part of the new look, in inverted commas, as we mentioned earlier, um, organisation. Uh, it's now been um, mentioned by him, was it yesterday uh, he made the announcement, that he is ceasing all football-related activities. He took the decision not to travel to Spain um, on a doctor's recommendation after uh, stress. Um, was He was diagnosed with, with, with stress, high stress levels, something like that. And um, he's now stepped down from all of his roles at the AFA, which as well as Secretary of National Teams, um, also he was a sort of advisor in the television rights uh, sort of negotiations. And um, he was going to... Was also gone. Yes, before the, the this uh, deal with Fox and Turner to be the owners of the of the rights for to broadcast the... The, the matches he was going to build AFA TV the channel of AFA mm -hmm. uh, that will provide content and well after this of course he was out of the game and uh, uh, yes uh, high pressure stress all all these uh, well uh, doctor's recommendations not to continue with these duties Um, I think that this happened. This start all. The, all of this started when there was the, the elections of 2015. Yeah. That when he was contendant with uh, Luis Segura and the and the incredible elections that finished uh, 36, 38, 38, 38, 38 yeah. when, when 75 people are allowed to to vote. Uh, I think that that uh, all of this started with that because uh, he was like a co he was being told that he wouldn't participate at, at the. AFA that no one wanted him, but no one. If you uh, mention the, the 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 ones who who are now uh, in front of it, uh, mm. Tapia, Angelisi, even Mauricio Macri, I think he didn't like uh, Tinelli to be uh, in front of any functions of, of AFA. So well, I think this in part of the these recommendations or disease or or illness, and in part of this is. You find the reasons of why he he decided to to decline all of these yeah. responsibilities and to to continue only with his TV show, uh, which is the his primary his primary activity. Of course, this is yeah. something he added when he started at San Lorenzo as a vice president, along with Lamens, which is a uh, position that he's also not actually stepping down from, but he's asked San Lorenzo for 18 months leave. Mm. Um, for medical reasons, obviously, as well. Um, and the other thing is that he was going to be the head, or possibly the vice head, um, of the Superliga when it launched. So that leaves, I guess, Rodolfo Donofrio, who was going to be, I think, second to Dinelli in charge of the Superliga, the, the president of River. Um, it, it's leaving him all alone, all of a sudden, at least at the moment. And so we'll see uh, what happens there, because the Superliga, when it launches, is going to be quite a... Interesting, of course, on the pitch to see what, whether it actually can make a difference to the financing of Argentine football in the same way as England's Premier League made um, to the financing of English football. I'm sure the AFA and everybody else concerned would, would love it if that happens, although it's 
doubtful. Um, but it's also going to be an interesting, you know, from off the pitch reasons to see um, how much of a power struggle then emerges between the sort of central bit of the AFA and, and, and the Superliga, the Primera, uh, once it's in a separate um, entity. And Tinelli at the, at the head of that would have been, you know, love him or hate him, and, and it was, it's, he was like an opposition. He was like an opposition to yeah, the to the exactly. to the ones who are now at, at the AFA as, as the president and vice president. <clears throat> uh, Tapia won't. Uh, 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 even if he wants, he won't never be. He won't ever be Julio Grandona, but he has the support of uh, Daniel Angelisi, of uh, who is part of the. Government as he's a friend of Mauricio Macri and he uh, is like like loyal to him and Hugo Moyano he's surrounded by he's he's uh, along with powerful people uh, the football environment and and that's why he I think he's played all his strength his strength to say Tinelli look if you if you want to face us if you want to fight against us you it won't be easy for you and that's why I think he apart from his Apparent problems uh, of the health problems, he, he decided to to step back. Yes, indeed. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, as I say, whether this creates a power vacuum anywhere, particularly the Superliga. But it's also going to be interesting to see the knock-on effect at the national team because apparently um, the players for the national team liked yes. Tinelli. I mean, or he's maybe most important. He's cool. only. I think he's only. The only action he did, he the only thing he did when he was the the secretary of national team was to organize the meeting between Tapia and Messi mm. when he was at Barcelona, which I think is useless. But it's it's, it's the but, most well, it's the most visible thing that he did. But uh, yes. according to I, I was reading a couple of articles earlier today and yesterday um, about it, and, and they sort of he he would come into the into the dressing rooms and, and talk to the players, and and he he was. Seen and he started doing this apparently fairly soon after um, uh, him and Laments were voted in, in at San Lorenzo and, and you know he was a, a very new, very junior director at the AFA as a result of that. Um, but the players appreciated that there was somebody from the AFA actually coming to talk to them, um, and he of course became secretary of the national team sort of shortly after last year's Copa America Centenario, which was the, the championship during which uh, Lionel Messi particularly went on. Um, Instagram and was criticising the, the organisational skills of the AFA and their communication between the AFA on the one hand and the players for the national team on the other um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how the AFA fill this void um, because Tinelli whatever else you can say about him um, and I think regular listeners will be aware that um, I'm not his biggest fan as a person um, is a very good communicator uh, and, he, and he knows how to talk to you know, that generation of, of of players as well, you know. Well, it's like a magnetism about uh, uh, from from the followers he has in the social networks, and he's very popular. So yes, in terms of the magnetism he will take, it would have been good for him to be there. But well, uh, yes, we will see what happens now with who will cover his position exactly from now on. Indeed. Um, anything else? What's happened in the last few days? It's hard to keep up, isn't it? Uh, Claudio Tapia has been to Spain, has talked, I think, to Lionel Messi now, um, and has not talked to Jorge Sampaoli. 
because he said he wasn't going to because Sevilla got annoyed. Not in person. Uh, apparently, they took by via SMS or WhatsApp, yeah, or something like that. Um, yeah. Otherwise, uh, the remainder, by the way, of Racing versus Tigre has just literally five seconds ago kicked off. Uh, it's one-one to Racing. Well keep you updated if there are any goals um, well that one and as we already said Tacheres versus Independiente is going to be played in its entirety later on so I'll give you the full time scores from both of those games after the um, full time hand pod music um, happens this will be 32 and 33 minutes or something like that this is going to be two, two. it was uh, called off 24 minutes in which means that there were 66 minutes left. So, yeah, it should be two halves of 33 minutes, um, assuming that they're going to do it the same way that that they normally do it. Um, Yeah, I I can't remember what I was saying. No, we were. Anyway, that's begun. begun. Um, And, yeah, we will um, try and keep you up to date with more goings-on at the AFA, particularly off the pitch. It's always thrilling to listen to, I know. Um... It's, it's why you all tune in to Hand the Pod each week, I'm sure. We have had a few listeners' questions, which we'll get on with. Chris Hartley is first. He says, do Panini do a sticker collection for the Primera Division, or are there any other collectibles that are unique to the Argentine game? I don't know. I think that they are only they do it when there's special events like the we, Copa America. Yeah, we get, the, we get them for the Copa America, and then we get them for the, the European Championships yes. and the World Cups, the same more similar, at least, additions to, to what you can get uh, over in Europe. But for the Primera, no. I've, I've seen... Um, I'm sure I saw a sticker album at some point when I've been here sort of fairly recently. Uh, sorry, when, when I hadn't been here for very long, uh, back in 2010 or 2011, but it wasn't Panini, it was some other company. But I've not seen them in recent seasons. No, the only thing that Ole releases, but it has nothing to do with the with Panini, what Panini does is the a guide with all the players and the, uh, the age and the information about them mm. before the, the, the tournament kicks off, but nothing to do with Panini. Yeah, I, th- I think the other thing with those kind of things that, that go on for more than a few weeks uh, is that inflation here sort of mitigates against it because you have to start jacking up the price of, of stickers um, even after they've been released. <laughs> And uh, it it makes it quite interesting. I remember during the 2010 World Cup, there were sort of it was noticed. I, I wasn't collecting them, but I heard from people who were, and it got noticeably more expensive to buy packets of stickers even during the tournament, um, which is bizarre. But there we go. Uh, Chris also says, "I like this one. This is I think the first time we've ever been asked this in 253 episodes. What is the club that's furthest south in Argentine football? Does Patagonia have a club? The answer to the second one is yes, several." Um, Many, many, many clubs, in fact. Patagonia is a, a very, very large area. It's about a third of the country, isn't it? Area-wise, not population-wise, obviously. Um, the furthest south club, I'm guessing, is going to be down in Ushuaia, right? Well, it was a, one, a team that they played against River in the National, National Bay, which is not a, in Ushuaia, Puerto Madryn, Guillermo Brown, the Puerto Madryn. Yep, so that's... So, the south so there, that'll be the furthest south in the top two divisions you would think or at least that have been in the top two divisions fairly recently um, the Federal A would be the place that you need to look and annoyingly this website Universal Football is is playing silly buggers with my browser at the moment so it's going to be a couple of minutes before the page loads oh that was quite quick um, and then you have to look through all of the various regions of the Federal A um, which are going to be 
Group 1 looks like it's the north if Santiago del Estero is Sunchales. Where's Sunchales? Do you know? It's Santa Fe. So, oh, so that's not the south either, so they've just got groups split up into different bits. Um, somebody in Uswire. I'm sure there's a, a team in Uswire. At least one. Let's try just Googling football in Uswire, shall we? Ah, here we go. Liga Uswayense de Football. That was easy. So we have got... it's uh, So the Liga Uswayense de Football. Uswaya is the um, the world's most southerly city, by the way. It's um, the bit right down at the very bottom of Argentina. It's the capital of Tierra del Fuego province, which is Tierra del Fuego being the island um, right down off the bottom of, of mainland Argentina. Um... The Liga Uswayense de Football is one of the two regional leagues of football in the Argentine province of Tierra del Fuego and the um, Tierra del Fuego, the Antarctic and the southern um, South Atlantic Islands. Uh, the Antarctic is, um, I'm interested, <laughs> that that's part of the name of the official province given that uh, the, the Antarctic Treaty means that no country is actually allowed to formally claim that land. Uh, but anyway... Um, so it's based in Uswaya, this league, and they have got it. So this will be part of the division below the Federal Bay, won't it? This will be part of the Ligas del Interior. Um, so these clubs aren't sort of formally in the um, the, uh, the Argentine League pyramid, but on the other hand, they are. So they're not directly affiliated to the AFA, but they can work their way up if they gain promotion. Mm. Uh, the two that are in the Torneo del Interior at the moment are La Serre Football Club, um, and Club Mercantil Ushuaia, both of whom are in the Torneo del Interior. None of these clubs at all um, in either of the Liga Ushuaiense's two divisions have got um, Wikipedia pages, so that suggests in Argentine terms that they're very, very, very small football yeah. clubs because um, nobody's bothered to put a team a, a page together for them. They're the Primero Base Club Social y Deportivo Unión Obrera Metalúrgica Ushuaia. So that's, uh, yes. yes. Social and Sporting Club of the Workers of the Metallurgic Workers Union. That's quite a name, isn't it? Um, and then yeah, we've got oh, is this Club, club Social y Deportivo Camioneros? They're the ones who got drawn against Independiente, yeah. right? Yes. That be the same club. So there and, we go. The, and the club against will Independiente will play in the Copa Argentina. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. So yes. that, they're the club whose president is the is it nephew of Hugo Moshano, yeah. who's the president of Independiente. Um, and so there you go actually that, that, that they're, they're going to be in the spotlight fairly soon they're playing Independiente in the Copa Argentina so a very timely question Chris even if you didn't realise it was when you asked it so thank you for that one um, Tony Gruden asks Tacheres what's the story behind the success of this newcomer in the Primera can they qualify for the Copa Sudamericana do they have any interesting players and he also says awesome podcast for which we say thank you um, the story behind Tacheres is they have a lot of money because they have been owned, I think they still are, but they're in the process of trying to sort of get out of it, aren't they? Um, by the same business who own um, it was Pachuca or Puebla? In Pachuca. Pachuca. Pachuca, thank you, yeah. Um, in Mexico. Uh, so they're one of very, very few clubs in Argentina who aren't entirely owned by their members. Um, and as a result, they had a lot of money when they came up. They actually had a lot of money in, in, in the um, Nacional Bay last season as well. Uh, if you listen to whichever episode it was in which we previewed the current season, so not at the beginning of this year, but back in August 2016, 
uh, if you check back through the blog, one of the um, the, the 2016-17 preview episode, uh, on which we have Tony along, who is, uh, I was about to say he's from Cordoba, but he isn't actually, he lived in Cordoba for a long time. Um, he's from Entre Rios, I think. He's from Entre Rios, yeah. yeah. Um, he lived in Cordoba for a long time before moving here to Buenos Aires, and as such, he was able to sort of give us a, a, a bit of an inside track, or a comparatively inside track on on Tacheres' rise, and he made the point that they have a lot of money and, and they were, you know, spending big by Argentine standards. Um, can they qualify for the Copa Sudamericana? Yes, absolutely, they can. Um, they are currently. I'm going to try and bring the standings up again. Although again, this will take a minute. I've got my internet. I think the best players because he asked also about the players. I think the best players they have is some some players I I didn't uh, know, but uh, now I do. Uh, Reynoso, the number ten. The, the yeah. And uh, Menendez, the Jonathan Menendez, the, the striker who uh, scored a very, very good goal against Belgrano last last weekend. Yeah, he did. Uh, it was very nicely taken. I have a feeling Menendez was with um, uh, Quilmes or Atletico de Rafael or something a couple of years ago and then went abroad yes. briefly, possibly to Chile or somewhere like that. Um, and, and he's now back with Tacheres. Yes. Uh, Pablo Guignasu is yes. 39 years old in June, but he's still tearing up trees in the middle of midfield. And um, as you say, I think it's Emmanuel Reynoso, is it? I don't remember Something the like name, that. but yes, it's... But Reynoso, the, the kid, he's about 21, I think, um, with the number 10 shirt, is excellent. Uh, can they qualify for the Sudamericana? Yes, of course they can. They're currently in a Sudamericana qualifying position. Everybody between 6th and 11th inclusive will go to the Sudamericana next year um, in the Argentine... T- no, sorry, we'll go to... Yes, we'll go to next year's Sudamericana because they're both year-round now, aren't they? Both the Continental Cups, I'm getting confused. Um, and Tacheres are currently 10th with a game in hand, which, of course, they will have played by the time you hear this because it's tonight against Independiente. Um, so if they... Well, actually, if they lose that, Independiente will leapfrog them and Tacheres will go down to 11th. So they'll be on the verge competing with Lanús. But, yeah, um, they can definitely qualify for the, the Sudamericana. It wouldn't be a surprise at all the way they've been going. Um, Tom Robinson asks who has been the best signing of the season so far I think it would be hard to um, make much of an argument against Dario Benedetto in my opinion more than he Centurion? was signed this season wasn't he yes Centurion was yeah. this year ooh Centurion's a good shout as well it's got to be somebody in Boca's attack given yeah. how much they've improved in Rojas attack. also a good, another true but he's, he's been here relatively more short amount of time yes. so I'm not yeah but yeah you're right he's had a, a good an impact on Rivers midfield but I, I, I'm going to go for one of those two Boca attackers I think personally just because of the fact that they've been um, so yeah, the, he was uh, underrated and because Benedetto we, we remember him playing at Arsenal then going mm. they went he went to Mexico and, and all the people all supporters saying oh come on he's from America and we have Spent five million dollars to to bring him in, and well, yes, uh, finally he he did well. And yeah, he was signed in June. I was just uh, if you heard the clicking, then that was because I was just quickly checking that he didn't sign at the beginning of last year or something. Uh, so he counts as this season. So, so I'm going to go with either Benedetto or, or Centurion, in my opinion. Um, Darren Paul says Guillermo Brown are looking good for promotion. What do you rate their chances of performing if they go up? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't watched them at all. Anyway, they, they, I think the best team in Primera B, even not having watched a lot of Primera B uh, division, is uh, 
Argentinos Juniors with yeah. Gabriel Hazel. Indeed. Um, they are neck and neck with them. I, I remember that from the last time I looked at the table, but I haven't seen a single minute of the Primera B Nacional this season. Um, let's just double check this again. Come on, load. Hurry up. I apologise again for the fact that my internet's awful tonight. Uh, Argentinos on 49 points after 26 games. Guillermo Brown have 45 points after 25 games. Um, and then in third place, 27 games played and 43 points for Nueva Chicago. The top two will go straight up. There are no playoffs and there is no. Um, uh, there aren't very many teams going up at the end of this season. The other thing, though, is that when you say what are their chances of performing and, and you know, survival... At the moment, we're not 100% sure how many teams are going to be surviving. Um, and it's going to be a very short championship because it's going to be another, uh, we mentioned a few weeks ago, another transitional championship because of the fact that the Libertadores and Sudamericana are now year-round and Argentine clubs want to get their calendar realigned with their continental um, competitions. So we've got, we're in for another transitional championship at the end of the year. And at the moment, you know what we do know is that, that Fox and Turner... Mm the new television rights holders don't want a 30-team championship to televise. We know they're not going to have a 30-team championship to televise because it's only going to be 28 for the second half of this year. We've got four teams going down and two coming up. Um, and the whole point behind that is to, to shrink the division. But we don't know whether there are going to be another four down and two up at the end of the year or whether it might be six down and two up or they might even go, yep, let's relegate 11 teams now and only promote one in order to quickly get us straight back down to 20 teams. Um, I suspect it'll be a bit more gradual than that but until we know for certain it's difficult to say oh I think this team have got a good chance of survival because we don't know whether the relegation zone is going to consist of eight teams or of two <laughs> um, yeah, of course. and also we don't know which group they're going to be in because presumably it's going to be a similar uh, transitional tournament it'll be a, a championship will be a similar setup to sort of last year where it's split into two groups and then followed by a final actually I think they've confirmed that it will be um, there have been even, even we have perhaps forgot about that because it uh, where are so many changes you you finally forget about the previous ones mm. but there have been a tournament with two teams with two groups of 15 teams uh, each one so uh, everything can happen and, and yes we don't know whether there will be if for next season will be there will be four or six relegations and two uh, promotions or whatever it will be also a, a something to to, to discover uh, ahead more in time yeah indeed uh, and Darren also says also the second division is tight as anything I'll be popping a review slash preview together for golasoargentino.com tomorrow uh, that is a plug we don't normally accept plugs but since this one is for a fellow Hand of Pod um, team member and namely Peter um, we shall uh, uh, will allow it in so everybody check out Darren's um, preview on, on Peter's website tomorrow uh, to- oh tomorrow being today by the time the first of you hear this it'll be on um, Thursday yeah. and Liam Kelly who is no relation to me says rest in peace Balbo nice to see both clubs Belgranos and Tacheres players unite for tonight's game will Belgrano be getting a stadium ban I think uh, that's, that's very that's probable has, yeah, that, that, that also has been talked about and I forgot that they, they are thinking on uh, banning them from playing even at the province not but only the profits, I thought yeah. it was just the city. That it's, that's something like you say that like they affiliate them. It's mm. not probable, it's not likely, but uh, it has to be mentioned. Yeah. Um, as we say, de-affiliation sounds extreme. 
forced relegation to me sounds like something that they're unlikely to do in case they then have to find themselves doing it to a bunch of clubs <laughs> in the not too distant future. Um, but a stadium ban, I think, seems highly likely. Um, it would not surprise me. I mean, maybe not the province, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me if they're banned from playing in the Kempes um, or indeed in their own stadium, uh, which is called. Can you remember? Barrio Verde. God, that's that's the area oh. it's in. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, Racing have just scored, by the way. Gustavo Ball has um, made it two-one to them. Sixteen minutes into the thirty-three-minute-long first half. Um, but yeah, so it, it wouldn't surprise me if they get a sort of a double stadium ban, if we can call it that. Um, in spite of the fact that some of the other uh, punishments seem unlikely. By the way, I'd just like to make clear, when we say they seem unlikely, that's not to say that I don't think that Belgrano deserve that punishment. It's just I don't think that the Afro are actually going to end up giving it to them. Um, but yeah, stadium ban to me would, would seem not too far out the question I doubt it will be for the rest of the year which is one thing that's been mentioned I think it'll be for you know a month or two maybe maybe the rest of the season but um, yeah there we go those are all the questions we have some mystical predictions which you'll be hearing after this theme music from uh, Mystic Luke the um, adopted Cordobes who we talked to earlier who is going to uh, read out his own predictions for us or rather already has done and are we putting them in right now Okay, Luke is back and he's going to give us his predictions for the weekend to come. Take it away, Luke. First off, I'm, I'm going to go with a home win in San Lorenzo Tempele. Going to have a draw in Alba Sevinules. Mm-hmm. A Racing to beat Tucuman. A Banfield win against Quilmes. Defensa against Slanus as a draw. Ooh. Another draw in Belez Union. Another draw in Central Gimnasia. And an Estudiantes win over Huracan. Boca to win against Rafaela. Uh-huh. Forgive me for being biased, but I'm going for a Belgrano win under Mendes at San Martin. River to beat Sarmiento. Mm-hmm. Tacheres to draw with Kudoy Cruz. Independiente to win at Arsenal. Patronato Olimpo is a draw. And finally, Colón to beat Tigre. How optimistic do you feel about that Belgrano win? No, I've seen I've seen signs that things are going to improve under under Mendes. We're playing a, a lot better, a lot more attacking, a lot higher up the field, and San Martin, uh, Martin aren't in the, the best of shape themselves. So fancy us to get something at least from the game. True, and I guess we're we're used to sort of saying that San Martin have a fairly strong home record because a lot of the clubs from Buenos Aires have to go an awfully long way to get there. But obviously Cordoba's already most of the way there anyway, so it's nowhere near as long a trip for Belgrano, is it? No, no, I think, I think we'll be fine this weekend, but we need to start picking up points soon, especially if we're going to take some offers. Yeah, indeed. Good luck with that. Um, and thanks again for talking to us, Luke. No worries, see you in a bit. Uh, just to add in a little bit after Luke's predictions there, um, any fixtures that stand out for you this weekend, Andres? I'm thinking Racing uh, versus Atletico Tucumán and Tacheres v Godoy Cruz look like the most sort of. Yes. Interesting one. Yes. This is a neutral to me. Yes, could be a uh, two matches. Otherwise, it's not a particularly inspiring lot, is it? Atletico against Boca should be fairly 
one-sided, you would think, given Bocca's propensity for... Yeah, the same we thought uh, last week, and finally it uh, wasn't that, that uh, happy, uh, that, that easy for Boca, but... Yeah, Sarmiento away to Rebutter as well, similarly. Um, and you kind of... Uh, the other thing is, I, I keep coming back to Sunday evening, you've got Arsenal hosting Independiente, and Independiente who, who are, you know, could use another... Um, lots of goal scoring but against Arsenal who've just won their first game in absolutely ages and you think there's another banana skin there perhaps for Independiente's forwards unless they can get an early goal to boost the confidence again. yes uh, uh, as a preview you, you must say that they should uh, have things easy like they went, uh, like it was against Patronato and it was away I, I insist that the problem for Independiente is when they play home yeah. That are, they, this is not unusual for teams that have their goals blocked when they play uh, home and, and they can play more freely when they are away. Hmm. And perhaps against Arsenal, even when they have won finally against Huracan, could be good for them. Indeed, yeah. Um, as we've already said, or as I've already said, keep listening after this next little piece of theme music. Um, to hear the full-time scores from Racing Tigre, which is currently 2-1 to Racing, and also from Tacheres versus Independiente, which has not kicked off yet. Um, is there, there are no Argentine sides of the Libertadores tonight, are there? No. I've got my TV guide so. right here, so let's just very quick... Oh, Estudiantes are oh. playing Atletico Nacional yes. right now. Yes. Maybe I'll watch that, actually. So, um, so also, you'll hear the full-time score from Estudiantes versus Atletico Nacional, uh, which, yeah, I think I will turn over to that one, actually. Um, and yeah if you're going to watch any of the matches this weekend enjoy them I'm, I'm sorry if I feel uh, sound a bit confused at the moment I'm not used to having somebody else read out their predictions so my head's a bit all over the place in terms of how to end the podcast now knock me out of my rhythm but it was my decision so it's only my fault um, if you're going to be watching any football this weekend then enjoy it and we will talk to you again or at least talk at you again um, about this time next week from now for now it's goodbye from Andres goodbye thank you and from me goodbye and thank you full time scores from this evening's matches Racing against Tigre finished 4-1 to Racing 1-1 um, from the let's say first leg uh, and 3 0 to Racing in tonight's last 66 minutes. Uh, at roughly the same time, Estudiantes scored a 1 0 win over a Magnelli Torres less Atletico Nacional in the Copa Libertadores. And just now in Cordoba, uh, Independiente have uh, managed their second away win in a row away to Tacheres 2 0 in the Estadio Mario Kempes.